Okay. This is the Tasty Bets Podcast. Follow at Tasty Bets Pod on Twitter, Reddit, and Threads. Subscribe to the Tasty Bits Pod on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to partake. I am your host, Dino DeCespedes, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Grant Engel. What is up, man? Buddy, trying to get off this classic gambling wobble that we're on right now. Going a little up, way up, coming back, going a little down, getting back up. Uh, but we've been locked in these last like 10 or so days. I mean, the, the round of 16, I, I think it looks pretty good for us. And so I, I think we uh, we got good things coming. Yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're definitely rounding into form. For sure. We are recording this Tuesday night. So we just finished the round of 16 matchups this morning here in the U.S. But before we hit the stats, quick reminder to please always bet responsibly. As a show, we made up some ground this week, finishing up $193 for the week or 1.93 units for the year, still down 78 bucks. But not to worry, still more football left to play. And I'd say we've got some blue chippers out there. So we've got Sweden 25 to 1. We've got Diani, who's on fire. Golden Boot 19 to 1. We've got France. We've got England. We've got Japan. Um, so I think when it's all said and done, I think we're going to be pretty pumped about where we land. So here's hoping. With that out of the way, let's talk about what we saw this weekend and let's bet some football. Where do you want to get started? Let's do this in chronological order, I think. Um, and it's just going to be a lot of fun to talk about Spain-Netherlands because your boys had that all the fucking way. Yes, sir. I mean, Spain-Switzerland, look, this is third third podcast in a row. I'm going to blast Switzerland. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a bit overkill for the literal definition of a neutral country. So I'm not going to blast them that much. You know, we pretty much talked about it going in. Switzerland was going to be outclassed by Spain. They just don't have the control of the ball. I think our first bet there was, uh, I think I think it was our only bet on that match, but it was for Spain to win the first half. We expected them to come out there and really put a, up uh, a lot of pressure on them. Spain was so good. They were crushing Switzerland so, so badly in the first half. They had to score for both sides. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm curious how you kind of absorbed that. Well, somebody clearly had uh, both teams to score in the first half, but uh, that cashed. <laughs> but when you talked about Spain minus two and a half goals, plus 290, that felt like the one that got away this weekend. You know, we were talking down Switzerland. It felt like forever. Norway was in that same conversation. Yep. But yeah, ultimately, I think we were a little bit scared. And I've got some stuff on Spain that makes me feel not so bad about that pick. But we also talked about Switzerland yep. under half a goal. So like you mentioned, they went under half a goal, but Spain, you know, covered that bet for them. <laughs> but the story of the match, though, Spain, 26 shots, 10 on target five goals, uh, including the one that they put in for Switzerland. Switzerland, just two shots total and one on target. I mean, I think you were on it. We were both on it. We were both on Switzerland. For sure. They can get the ball down there. They use their size to get the ball to, into the final third. And then they, in a major competition like this, they, they just haven't shown the quality to, to score down there. Let's fast forward to Netherlands and South Africa. I had a few bets going on in that one as well. So I had South Africa first plus 340. I had both teams to score minus 130, which got so close. I couldn't believe that one didn't hit. And I also had the Netherlands over two and a half goals also didn't hit. 0-3, but I actually don't regret a single one of these. I still think I would take all of them again. Pretty moderate amounts, so didn't really uh, you know, lose my shirt on these. And like I said, they were, I mean, Katlana had a, had a chance with like 10 seconds in the game, yep. you know, and her by herself, she had six shots on target. No, I'm sorry. She had five shots on target. 
The Netherlands as a team had six. Jeez. So, I mean, she was an absolute menace out there. But the one problem she was going against, Daphne von Domselaar, you know, who was on absolute fire. Yep. To go toe-to-toe with Katlana like that, including like a one-on-zero, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I'm looking, I'm like, this has got to be, this has got to be the goal. Um, I lost that South Africa to score first bet pretty early, but yeah. uh, both teams to score and the Netherlands over two and a half were in play pretty much like the, the final whistle. For sure. So that one was pretty captivating, although the result was probably in less of a doubt. Uh, Netherlands looked pretty much in control of that one. And yeah, they're taking on Spain in what should be pretty ki- killer matchup, I think. It's probably one of the more ones that I'm... I mean, I'm excited about all four matchups, but I don't know. What are you expecting out of that, out of uh, Spain, Netherlands? Yeah, I'll say quickly, um, you should not feel bad about any of those three bets. I, they're super live the whole time. And the way you protected yourself was you didn't bet for Netherlands to absolutely destroy South Africa. Like that was not one of the bets. Like you knew, you thought there would be more scoring. There absolutely could have been more scoring. So no shame in that. Right bet, wrong outcome. Yeah, in terms of Netherlands, Spain, I mean, this is, you know, this is a classic footballing country matchup. I think, you know, you could you could kind of look at both of these teams and, and say maybe just kind of looking at the final scores of the matches they've played, maybe you like Spain a little more because Spain kind of looks more dominant. But I think you have a lot on that, and so I don't want to. I don't want to go too far into it because let me just let me just pass it back to you immediately because I think you're fucking way spot on on this. I was taking a look at the lines, and I'll take you through like the the, the process of seeing them for the first time. So, uh, and I texted you about this during the week. I jotted down the lines that I was expecting to see, and I think I wrote down Spain minus one seventy. And then I looked to this is to qualify. This was very early, right right after the game wrapped, right. and it was Spain minus two fifty. To qualify and i was like holy shit i'm like i don't know about that it it then pretty much came down pretty quick from there mm-hmm. um so that kind of sent me on a little bit of a rabbit hole just kind of look, looking at some numbers um uh, more about the spanish side so some wicked spain stats after four matches 103 shots that's first in the tournament 19 <laughs> more shots than the second place usa which is just ridiculous Goodness. 36 shots on target in four games passing another one also first, they've completed 348 more passes than second best England. Sure. I mean, that's kind of like Spain DNA, right? Exactly. So looking at this matchup on the surface, like Spain looks like the more dangerous team. But I then went back and rewatched Japan and Spain, kind of like knowing what we know now. And I don't know that we were all the way on what happened in that match. You know, so Bon Mati like almost scores like five, six minutes into the match, which I think would have changed the complexity of the whole game. So they were... They were serious about trying to win that match. Um, and it was actually funny listening to the announcers because they were like, well, Spain, Japan, they're jockeying for position. Whoever wins this group, you know, gets to potentially avoid the U.S. And, you know, until one round later. Uh, and and then, and then the announcer goes, who knows? The U.S. might not even win their group. Like, it was just like, it just sounded so right. like bizarre, like hearing it in retrospect. Yeah. Um, but Japan, like, just absolutely carved them up. Spain really, really was trying and what really stuck out to me about Japan was like the uniformity of their defense. And they mm-hmm. totally yeah. shut down um, that Spain team. So in that match, they managed just 10 shots versus the 31 they averaged across their other three matches. And then just two shots on target. Their other three matches, they averaged 11 shots on target. I was really kind of shocked by that and just kind of replaying, literally replaying that match on TV and then replaying the Netherlands match in my head and just kind of how kind of dominant they've been defensively you know 
And even when they did give up a breakaway, you know, to Katlana, you know, at the very last line of the defense, the goalkeeper was able to kind of like go toe to toe and like make huge stops. So just kind of zooming out, I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of starting to lean a little bit Netherlands and very, very curious to hear about, you know, what you might be thinking on this one. So I'm right there with you on the Spain, like on pretty much everything you said when with Spain versus Japan, and we're going to cover Japan later. And so I got more stuff on that, but you're totally right. Spain, they walked into the trap in that game. Um, And I feel like if you're the Netherlands, you can play a pretty similar style, maybe not as quick, maybe not as kind of bouncy as uh, Japan, but the Dutch absolutely have the the players uh, to do that. And I, like you said, I mean, they're going to bring a level of physicality to it. They, and I, the thing I like about Netherlands is that they bring that physicality in the attack about as much as they do on defense. They, so they'll stay compact. They'll rough you up down there and then they'll, they can play pretty directly one, two passes to get out ahead one-on-one versus the keeper or, you know, two ver- two V two to, to get down into the 18 stuff like yeah, that. Totally. So I, I love this as a zag and in, in my never ending quest to compare world football to college American football is the classic Alabama saying where somebody calls up Paul Feinbaum and goes, they ain't played nobody, Paul. <laughs> and so <laughs> maybe, maybe Spain ain't played nobody except for Japan. And when they played Japan, they got waxed. There's definitely something to that. Because, you know, in the Japan-Spain match, Spain brings on, you know, Redondo in the 62nd minute. And then, like, I think 20 minutes later, they bring on Esther Gonzalez. Redondo led Liga F in goals. <laughs> like, so she's yeah. like, no joke. Yeah. You know, they were playing. What was happening yeah. was Japan was just ready for, you know, ready for what they were trying to do. Like, they, they couldn't work the ball all the way into where they wanted it. I think they kind of want to get, get it into close quarters and outskill you you know, in the box. Yes. And Japan was like, nah, <laughs> like they were, they had, they had, they had two on one, like pretty much every opportunity, the ball's up in the air. And it's just like, it's like almost like the, the hard double in the NBA. Like, it's just like, all right, as soon as he crosses half court, you know, like we're going to send two at him. That's kind of what it felt like. And yeah. Spain didn't have, um, I think the game plan to, to really kind of like adjust off of that. And I think it goes back to what we talked about is that the management, yep. especially their manager and uh, the rest of the squad, they were at loggerheads there for a little while, and so you wonder what does the preparation look like? What what does the buy-in look like uh, to some of the plan? So yeah, I like where you're going. I like where you're going with this. This is you're taking the lead on this one, and I I, I feel the zag in the air. It's a whiff of a zag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so all right, I got some lines here. So the money line: Spain to win outright minus one twenty. That's a big line. Oof. Um, the tie plus 240. That one feels a little live. Netherlands to win outright plus 340. Juicy. Very, very juicy. Um, let's scroll down to who's going to qualify for the next round. So I mentioned this line opened in the 250 range. Spain is now minus 188. Netherlands plus 140. Interesting to get them at plus odds. Yeah. Tie no bet. This one is. Mm-mm. Spain minus 290. Netherlands plus 220 on the tie no bet. Wow. Do you see anything there? Um, I've got some. I've got some goals bets here coming up here, but let's let's just keep it in results land. Any of those stick out? And also, don't feel like you have to hop aboard my zag. You know, like if you're if if you came in thinking Spain, jotting down Spain, you know, you let me know. 
No, they ain't play nobody, Paul. That's my, <laughs> that's why I'm I'm on you. I'm, I'm with it. You know what? And if yeah. if I I might be rooting for myself uh, from the preview pod where I was just like, oh, fade Spain. I don't trust him or whatever. Oh. And of course, they come out and win their first two matches by like eight goals. Yeah. I think I was like, okay, well maybe, but you know. And again, respect to the Copper Queens. Respect to I think. Costa Rica was the other squad they played. Uh, exactly. Uh, respect to them, but let's just say not quite the footballing culture of Spain and Japan just yet. Yep. So yeah, man, I was. I I feel like you're kind of confirming the zag, and and maybe <laughs> I know we joke about it. Maybe I was just a little ahead when I said that. Uh, yeah. The management situation and like the player buy-in might be an issue. And this is kind of where that stuff does come to pass sometimes is like when, when, when shit gets really hard right. for a professional team, um, that's when that stuff kind of really starts to, to show itself. So I don't think you're talking me into this. I feel like you're confirming uh, some of my thoughts here, but giving me new information at the same time. The stuff about the shots, the shot disparity against Japan, that's really fucking interesting because I think Netherlands can do the same thing. So totally. as far as what I like, I mean, the Taino bet, that's phenomenal. Plus 220. Hello. Because that's so much safer, obviously, than the draw itself at plus 240. And I, so what I was trying to think of, so obviously we have USA and then we have England. Those two matches, USA, Sweden, and then England, Nigeria, those went to extra time. So I don't know. It feels like betting on draws, you know, that's, you know, you, you have to, you have to, the find the draw has to call to us. Right. And it's not calling to me in this match. Yeah, I agree with that. I think because... Either of these teams, if there's blood in the water on either side, yeah, I think can like make a play. If one of these teams goes down to ten, you know, ten players, or there's an injury, <laughs> right. or something funky, you know, a goalkeeper turns an ankle or something, and now you got against a backup. Like, I think that we could see one of these, te- you know, because I mean they're both pretty explosive. Yeah, I think now that it, we've talked it out a bit. Okay, I'm not going to take Netherlands to qualify because plus 140 kind of not tasty enough you know and like i said that that line's moved quite a bit yeah the time to take it would have been right when it opened but i am going to do a tino bet i think i'm going to go a full unit tino bet at plus 220 and i'm going to take half a unit on the netherlands straight up plus 340 i just kind of like this setup i'm I'm a little bit protected if um it does finish in a draw i mean if spain comes out and wins i'll be surprised so i'm happy to lose you know that bet when um Something like this kind of catches me off guard. But I do think the Netherlands are going to play really, really well. Like I said, they've only given up one goal in four matches. And Spain, conversely, couldn't score on Japan. Yeah. So I'm really taking those two data points and just saying, I'd like to see it, you know, before I'm just kind of like, okay, Spain is is that team. All right. We're starting the pot off with with a bang. Let's go. I'm co-signing both of these. Let's go. That's that's a great omen. That's an excellent omen. <laughs> I'm riding with you, man. I think you're right. Awesome. All right. So we are riding together on that. Um, I had some fun goal bets. So Spain to go over a goal and a half, right? And I kind of like this game. When I play this game out in my head, it doesn't feel like a nil-nil. It feels like we're going to get some excellent chances and a finish or two that are really brilliant. So Spain over a goal and a half plus 106 to get two goals. Mm. That seems weird. The Netherlands over a goal and a half is plus 300. I thought those were pretty incredible. Two in particular, anytime goal scorer, we've got Lyneth Bierenstein plus 470. 
I think if anybody's going to get a little, it's going to be her. And if it's not her, Jill Roard is plus 650. Those seem really nice too. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think kind of depending on where I land with the rest of the games, and I kind of want to hear your perspective on, on uh, some of the other matchups, I'm going to kind of put a pin in these, but I hadn't really seen, I wasn't really locked in on uh, Lyneth Bierenstein, who plays for Juve. Right. And watching her in that South Africa match, you really couldn't contain her. Yeah. Like I was really surprised and she didn't play in the US match. She turned an ankle in the Portugal match. It's kind of why we haven't seen her. So she comes back in this in this one. Uh, according to shout out to you FB ref uh, for sending us in that direction. She ranks 91st percentile for non penalty goals per 90 minutes amongst attacking mids and wings globally, which is just nasty. It's pretty good. Uh, and you can kind of see it on the field. So fun fact, she scored her first international goal in October 2016 against Scotland at the world-renowned Tony Macaroni Arena in Livingston, <laughs> Scotland. That's a real arena? Yeah. So Tony okay. Tony Macaroni Arena <laughs> is also commonly referred to as the Spaghetti Hat. Oh, no. Get the fuck out of here. That's incredible. Yeah. So Good for them. <laughs> imagine the marketing potential for, you know, vendors and food and... Oh my God, it's endless. There you go. Bierenstein at the spaghetti head. Let's, oh my God. Let's fucking go. That's a yeah, deal. match made in heaven. Um, all right, cool. So let's fast forward to. So we're pretty much guaranteed at least one semifinalist, which is kind of cool, but also kind of a bummer having to say, to say goodbye to one of these teams that I think we've both developed a very deep admiration for for different reasons. Oh, yeah. But yeah, Japan, Sweden. Tell me what you saw in the matchups kind of leading up to this. And I don't know, kind of what you're expecting. All right. So now we can talk about Japan here. So I'll just say it again. They fucking play like Manchester City. They, they're an army of smalls out there who are just batting the ball around. They're too fast for you. They know where their teammates are. Mm-hmm. So they're passing, you know, Greg pa- shout out to Greg Popovich. The ball moves faster than you. Right. Just relentless pressure over Norway, who we talked about is not some bullshit team, has elite players all over the field and can use their size to really kind of force uh, impose their will on the game. First 15 minutes, Japan is just right down their neck, like causing all kinds of chaos in the back and that relentless pressure. They forced the own goal. I think it was like in the 15th. It was either in the 14th or the 15th minute. Hmm. In this game, we had uh, Japan to win outright. I think they were like minus 130 or 135, something like that. And then we also had, uh, you had uh, the over two and a half goals at plus 340. So we'll get to that because when they score in the first 15 minutes, I was like, hmm, should have co-signed that over. <laughs> you know. Because uh, this one might this one might get out of hand, but from there, I will. Uh, you know, well, again, you got to give Norway some credit. So yep. they w- they tried to go to the tall girl. Well, is that they're like, okay, if we're gonna fucking do this, they so they come back within five minutes and around the twentieth minute, uh, Manchester United's Vildarese uh, flies down the flank. It's an absolutely perfect pass, and then Guro Wrighton, who is fucking awesome, who plays for uh, Chelsea. Uh, she had some open space and she was much bigger than the defenders that were standing down there with her, but she had to hit the header absolutely perfectly to kind of like loop it. It was a, it was a short loop cause she was just standing outside of the six, but like it, she looped it right in the top corner. Keeper had no chance. And then we were tied one, one, one. And that's when I was like, okay, yeah, should have bet the over cause Japan's not going out like this. And I, I knew they were going to at least get one more and they looked so dangerous I think I, when I was like live threading the game, I was just like, okay, Norway's gonna have to try to tall girl attack Japan if they got if they want any shot at this. But after that one goal, 
Japan did exactly what you talked about, how they kind of played Spain, where it was just, we're going to hard double you, like when you get the ball, like girl, right? And it's like, okay, you're not getting any space now for, for the rest of this match. Yeah, I ju- It just didn't feel like Norway ever had much of the ball after that. They couldn't really get into a rhythm. And I, I'm going to shout her out because, of course, I have to. Uh, Yui Hasegawa, midfielder for Manchester City. She led all players with three tackles. Now, that doesn't sound like a huge number, but I, I'm trying like thinking about it in the context. Yui Hasegawa is not like a a defensive maven or anything like that. It was just to take the ball off of players three different times. It's kind of telling of, of what Norway's offense looked like. So let me, let me throw this at you too. Japan had nine interceptions and Norway had seven interceptions. Doesn't sound like a big difference, but when you consider that Japan had the ball 60% of the game and Norway needed, (laughs) Norway needed 31 clearances and six blocked shots compared to Japan just needing 16 clearances in one block shot. Wow. Um, that pretty much tell, I, I felt like that was a good way to kind of uh, confirm the eye test that it was just Japan on their on Norway's side of the field, always threatening to score, kind of taking players one-on-one and just really like dominating the pace. Yeah, that was the exact word that I was thinking, like because they look absolutely dominant. And it's so weird because... Yeah. They're not like, you know, the French team as an example, where you can just see right. all the different, you know, perfectly proportioned body types based on the position and like, right. okay, this person that, that's out on the wing, she's got like exactly the right amount of speed and agility and like everybody's sort of like like the prototypical, you know, body type, <laughs> right, for their position. And then Japan right. is like dominating these games and, you know, they've got some, they've got a little bit of length, right? Yeah. But to see what they're actually doing on the field. It's just like blowing my mind, you know, in terms of like you talked about the control they had over that that Norway match. And that was pretty evident. Even when it went level, it just seemed like a matter of time. You know, not, I didn't I, I barely broke a sweat. You're, yeah, you already knew. I'm with you. And I think, you know, we've talked about the organization of the defense. I mentioned her in in the preview pod. Uh, Saki Kumagai, 32 year old uh, captain of the squad, plays for Bayern Munich. Uh, is the only player on the squad who was a part of the 2011 team who won the World Cup. She is like, she is the metronome here of like, she said, you know, obviously part of the culture setter and then just is always standing in the right fucking spot to make a critical interception or a block whenever, whenever the team needs it. I think, you know, when we talk about that pressure, like you said, it was, it was one, one going into half. We come out of the half, and then at 50 minutes, we're still just applying this pressure on. I said we, because I keep talking about them like they're. I keep talking about them like their city, but uh, yeah. So Japan is continuing to apply the pressure, and then uh, Risa, who is a good player, um, midfielder for Norway, who yeah, who I mentioned had the assist. Uh, on the goal, Vildarisa. She just has a fucking awful giveaway. I felt kind of bad. It's like one of those moments where I'm I'm rooting against you, but the the mistake is so ugly that I was like, oh no, because she basically hits the perfect pass to Shimizu, who just fucking buries it. But I mean, really, you could tell from the from the way Risa turned and made the pass blindly, it was because she was in total fucking panic mode. Yeah, and it was just another another symptom of Japan's press. It's a really interesting press that they have because. In the Spain match, they were kind of staying, you know, within their lines, like within formation. And then they had one sort of like floater. It's kind of like a box and one in, like, in basketball. And they're just <laughs> yeah. like, we think the ball's going here. We know that this is where you want to go with it. 
and we're not going to allow it. And even if somebody had to run, kind of, kind of keep up with the run from the back line, like man and zone, you know, defense at the same, you know, like it was a super interesting combination and not something that I've really seen. I, you know, I must admit as closely as I've, I think I've ever watched, you know, women's football. And there are really pretty stark differences from the men's game and just in terms of uh, strategy and like, you know, what they, what they actually employ. Yeah. I know we, we both did power rankings this week independently. Where did you have Japan? I think they're the best team in the tournament. Yeah, same. Yeah, I don't I don't know who's I don't know who's looked better over four games. Yeah, same. In the France match, I think once they got rolling, um, the announcers were like, Well, is France is you know, is this the best team? And the analyst was pretty quick to be like, uh, you know, I think Japan's still out there and they, they look pretty good as well. <laughs> you know, like I don't think we can kind of yeah. forget about them. Where did you have Sweden on your list? I had them three. So I had them four. Yeah, so I think they are Upper upper half for sure. Yeah, yeah, same. I um, yeah, I had Japan, France, Sweden. My one, two, three. I had Japan, France, and England. If you can believe it, as my one, two, three. Okay, yeah, that must have been before the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got depth. We'll get to that. <laughs> let's all right. Let's fast forward to uh, the other team in this matchup, Sweden. So you know they took on our our US of A. Yes, and I don't know survived. The penalty shootout is probably the best way I can put it. What did you see in that in that in that match before we get to the penalty part? I mean, it was an incredible match. I thought. I think um, you know there were two great teams. A lot of the a lot of the mainstream like American coverage is going to focus on like what USA didn't do, and there was some of that. Like that, I think there was a, a bit of an inability to take to take their chances well. Like you pointed out, like they were second in shots on target to Spain, and what they scored. Four goals all tournament. I can think you get the the Netherlands. I'm pretty sure I have this right. I think they got 18 shots, three on target. Yeah. And looking at Alex Morgan, who played 87% of all minutes for the U.S., 16 shots, Mm. a penalty chance, and no goals. If that's your number nine for nearly 90% of the time played, hard to win. I couldn't believe that, you know, just looking at when she got subbed out of these matches... Yeah. You know, and I think we talked about this with um, Trinity Rodman, who struggled early in the tournament. You know, and Vlaco, you know, made that move to Lynn Williams, I think, in the third match. By that point, things were already kind of like off the rails, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I was like, let me see how much Alex Morgan actually played. Because of, of the people with like 15 shots, she was the only one that didn't score in the entire tournament. Oof. You know, so. That's tough. And, and I was just like, man, like th- she had a real, real, real rough go. And I was like, and then I, when I saw when she got subbed out, the only match that she got subbed out early was at the 62nd minute against Vietnam. So all of the the, the big money matches from there, she played pr- pretty much the entire game. Yeah. Um, or at least 90 plus in, in each of them. Because I think uh, this, in Sweden, she came out in the 98th minute. So, But to have that many opportunities, that many minutes, yeah, and to come up that empty... Not much more to say in terms of like like you're not really going to do a lot of damage in a tournament when like you said your number nine is um, falling that short. Yeah, and I think you and I have talked about it uh, either over text or maybe we talked about it the last couple pods. But like Sophia Smith is the leading goal scorer in the NWSL, and she typically plays number nine and runs through the middle mm. through the center channels of the field when she is this goal scoring machine. And so to to put her on the left wing, like obviously she could be effective on the wing also. But do you have a better number nine on the squad on the field yeah. at the same time, and you're not and you're not utilizing her 
the right way. That's mm, they don't love that. You, you you even saw Sophia Smith in that match kind of like put herself out of position to kind of like get more right. into where she, I, I guess, likes to handle the ball. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring that up because we talked about prior to the tournament, I think in the preview pod, the troubling dichotomy between like the old and the young. Yeah. It didn't translate into like bad chemistry, but what it translated to was kind of Vladko's inability to be like, all right, Alex, you know, <laughs> you, you gave it your best shot, you know, but we can't you know, this isn't the recipe, right? So that's actually where, you know, those two generations ended up sinking the team, you know, is, is him not being able to put together like a cohesive lineup, you know, with, with, with the parts that he had. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I'm guessing the folk, plenty of the folks who, uh, listen to the tasty bets pod, um, likely American, likely care about, uh, the U S women's national team. So I was going to say, like, I don't want to totally, uh, belabor this because I mean it's it's ground that's been tilled and, and probably a lot of sports podcasts. But totally, I mean, not that many sports podcasts though because it's a it's a growing sport and I don't know a lot of dudes uh, don't know ball the way we do. So let, let's just let's just talk about this a, a, a little longer because and so I want to I want to first separate all the bad faith bullshit criticism of players like Megan Rapino that is clearly done by people who don't like that an openly gay woman demands such outrageous things as equal pay for equal work or racial justice when there's an obvious fucking racial bias in literally everything that's ever existed. But I just want to, I want to take a look at my, at my notes here. When you talk about that, um, maybe that loyalty that Vlatko had to the older generation. And so I'm, uh, my game notes from the Sweden game, Megan Rapino comes on, she has a corner kick in the 102nd minute. She tries to play it to Ertz. It's way too short in front of the the uh, the near post. Um, Ertz gets a touch. Ertz gets kind of a lucky touch on it. It bounces off a defender and goes out of bounds. So we got another we get another free kick uh, corner kick from Rapino. It hits the side net of the goal. It's way off. It, it nobody has a chance. Um, and then in the 107th minute, we have another corner kick. We, we send Rapino out there to take it. She takes it. It's behind her. It's, the ball gets cleared away. In the 117th minute, um, Rapino has a, a truly veteran move where there's a foul. They spot the ball, but they spot it like fucking 10 yards back. And Rapino goes, no, 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 move, move this free kick up. And the referee goes, yeah, you're right. Move it up. So she gets that. She, she completely changes the angle of how the free kick is going to look to serve it in. And she hits it and it's like 12 yards short of where you need it to go. And it's just like, Megan, you're a, you're a legend. We love you. You're, you've won two world cups. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like I feel gross even saying it because of all the bad faith criticism of her. But like, th- these are things that were happened on the field that hurt the team's chances. To me, I don't really put it on Rapino. You know, obviously she had you know, not a great tournament. Yeah. She wasn't the only one on the U.S. squad that didn't have a great tournament. Oh, of course. At some point, it's just a little bit confounding because I you, you know that the talent is there. Yep. And you know that the results have been there. And, you know, I actually brought this up, I think, two weeks ago when I was like, you know, I'm not sure what the U.S.'s style is. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at Japan, you know, I mean, we're picking the best, the best, best looking team in the tournament. Um, defensively, they're like all in line. Offensively, they know what they're doing. And they're sending it from different locations. And that just kind of keeps you on your heels. Then you watch like the U.S. It's like the, that, that creativity is not there. I would say that the, the entire second half plus extra time was just 
you would have thought we were down four nil, like the way they were playing. It was just spastic. Yeah. People rushing things. Sophia Smith had a, like a weird touch, Yeah, you know, where she had a chance late in the game and she just basically ran the ball right into the goalkeeper. You know I mean? It was like, like a pretty heavy touch, but super heavy. It yeah. wasn't the most thoughtful, you know, like you, you were just kind of expecting her to make something happen there. You kind of expect her to see the field, see the keeper, make the right, but you know, like just coolly make the right play. And it was, um, uh, just the opposite of that. You know, the later it went, the less confident I got. Oh, yeah. Just to kind of hit some of the lines. I will say, too, we crushed this game as well. But I didn't feel great about it. Right. I was pretty bummed, you know, to be honest. <laughs> you know, Agreed. Like, and, and I've kind of shit-talked yeah. the U.S. and, you know, kind of been out here sharing my thoughts and opinions. Feel very, you know, validated, you know, into, you know, with regard to seeing what actually transpired. But we both took... Right. Sweden to qualify plus 146. I had a double unit. You had a single unit. That really helped the old tasty stats Google Doc. Oh, yeah. And you, this one you weren't ready for. Uh, I, I feel totally comfortable saying that. Plus 280 USA under half a goal. That was a half unit for me last week. And yeah, that basically put us at 3-0, essentially 4-0 if you count the double unit as two. All at plus odds. Uh, but like I said, I didn't feel great about it. You know, I thought I'd, I thought I'd be okay with it, but... Um, I was actually pretty bummed. And to think about the manner with which the tournament ended, you know, that last far check and millimeters or micrometers or just ridiculous. <laughs> right. Yeah, just just a real bummer. But I don't know. Anything you have anything else on on, on the US and kind of where th- what where things are looking? Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say about it is, you know, people I think the what I saw tweeted, because I will say I do I tend to either mute it or change the channel or you know, do something else because I'm not particularly interested in the analysis of Alexi Lalas. Uh, but I, I did see that, like, they come back and he's like, a catastrophe is like the first thing he says. I just want to say, like, we talked about it. Winning two World Cups in a row is bonkers. Winning three World Cups in a row is fucking inconceivable. Every, we talk about the Warriors, the, the Bulls, every dynasty ever, the Red Wings or whatever, if you like hockey, whatever. They all come to an end. There's and I realize they didn't make the round the 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 quarters. They didn't make the round of eight, we'll call it. You you cannot tell me that they are not at worst one of the five best teams in the world still. Like I and maybe I'm maybe I'm delusional, but like I will like I just have a hard time. I understand the results of this tournament and Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are, yada yada. I just don't think with the skill they have that they are any worse than the fifth best team in the world. And to your point about the coaching, and I I think I've been kind of saying it, and I think we've both been saying it without saying it, but, uh, and I don't feel awesome about saying it, but I don't know the guy either. They got to fire Vlatko. Yeah. He has to go. There were too many errors. The, the, the rotations were not good. The positioning was not good. Like they, they have to get somebody who will put players in the, in the right positions to play well. Much like my my weird Roy Jones Antonio Tarver <laughs> analogy from last week, we saw it coming. Yep, you know from all these different angles. You know whether it's like you know like it was pretty wild. But right after the U.S. loses, Samsung runs that standing in the presence of a legend, <laughs> Megan Rapinoe commercial. <laughs> I'm just like ooh, nice. <laughs> tough for the That's brand. Tough. Yeah, you know, and like you said, all the respect to her for her career. Of course, everything she's accomplished off the field and everything that she still has to accomplish, which I, she just strikes me as one of those leaders that's going to be super active for sure forever. You know, she's going to be in her seventies and eighties and she'll still be out here 
giving commencement speeches and getting people fired up. So no knock on her, you know, as a person or a player, but collectively as a team, I don't know, man, like you look at the Netherlands, who's not a, you know, a top team, you know, I had them kind of, you know, ranked in the middle, maybe more towards the bottom in my power rankings of my final eight. The Netherlands played a lot better than the U.S. You know, they just did. You know, they were it's true. more productive. They went head to head, you know, and, and drew head to head against common opponents. The Netherlands beats Portugal. The USA draws Portugal. <laughs> Netherlands advances out of the 16. The U.S. doesn't. Tough matchups, mm-hmm. but, you know, like it's hard to look at those two teams and be like, yeah, USA is def- definitely better than the Netherlands. You know, just, you know, got unlucky, which... I got to say, man, is like my least favorite part of this coverage. (laughs) Luck should not, it should just not be mentioned, you know, unless you're talking about the coin flip, you know, and figure out which goal you're going to kick out, you know, for PKs. But Alex Morgan said it, it's been said in the post game a bunch of times, you know, in terms of like, you know, well, the U.S. just got unlucky or, you know, ball here, ball there. But dude, this is sports, you know, like you put the ball there, you put the ball in the post. You know, like you, <laughs> right. you kick the ball right at the keeper, like Lindsey Horan, Alex Morgan, you know, like you flubbed it. Sophia Smith, like, you know, it's to me, luck, the word luck doesn't have any place kind of like within analysis, you know, and, and it, it kind of feels a little bit like the kid glovesy, you know, general narrative around, you know, like women's sports and this team. I think people are afraid to kind of be critical, but on the same token, you mentioned that every dynasty comes to an end, right? Yeah. Now, what's unique about this situation in the NBA, the entire NBA is not raising its level, you know, 2x, 3x in four years, right? Like, you know, you might have a Warriors team come along and kind of like change a little bit of the geometry of the game. But this is not, you know, the 2015 field, right? This is not the 2011 field. Like, this field is nasty. <laughs> like, you know, like we yeah, saw, right. you know, you see like Germany go home. You see Brazil go home. Like, you see a bunch of good teams knocked out, you know, in the 16. I don't know, man, like, you know, the the one point that I think is the most valid is that the world is really, really caught up. Yeah. We could be playing the same kind of football, the same level of football and fall behind just because we're not advancing as quickly as some of these other nations. Uh, yeah, it's totally right. Um, I've heard it in, in a few different spots, but um, I mean, you know, you're just watching the games. Uh, I think your European squads, they're going to play European style Football, they're going to play possession. Mm-hmm. They're going to, you know, they're going to like play the fast, the immediate press, the turnover press. Like when, as soon as we turn the ball over, let's try to fast double or whatever we want to call it. But, you know, they're going to use those kind of tactics. And we had talked about like for, for such a long time, USA had, had an advantage because of like things like Title IX or, or like just the collegiate soccer uh, culture in the States. Now countries that have, a hundred year head start on us in football and culture, but they just allocated every resource towards the men's game. Now they're like, Oh wait, there's money over here too. These games are fucking awesome too. And they're going to come and, and put those resources in. And it's not just catching up. It's exactly what you're saying. Now they catch up way faster too. Yeah. It's not, it's not like a normal, like, Oh, okay. We need to really build and build a build. It's like, Oh no, we actually have a perfect blueprint for the infrastructure. We can just kind of overlay it onto what we're doing now. And, uh, you know, like you said, like in four years, you know, Morocco goes from like unheard of to a really good fucking team. Yeah. And it's, you know, the African teams, you know, to see Japan, like, like we said, dominating, I I think the U S is probably based on what we saw here. You know, it's not like we're, you know, like look at the French team and who they're missing. Right. 
right? Like look at the English team who they're missing. You know, we don't, we haven't, we don't have the same like gigantic statured players that, that are just, you know, we just miss them this tournament or they're injured or whatever. Like, I mean, even just looking at the four teams we covered, Spain, Netherlands, Japan, and Sweden, you could make a case that all four are better than the U.S. in, in their current state and the results kind of back it up. So I think the U.S. is probably in that five to 10 range, you know, I think hmm. depending on the day and, you know, the weather and kind of everything else going on. Um, <laughs> But we really have to kind of see like what evolves. I mean, even a team like Portugal, where you mentioned like a lot of their players from Benfica and some of the other big Portuguese teams, they're developing their own style, right? Yeah. You know, and I think we don't really have that, right? Like it's more all-star game kind of vibes to a, to what we're doing. Yeah. But I think we should kind of scoot ahead to to Sweden, who props to them, you know, they, they did what needed to be done. Um, and, you know, despite being the underdog in this match, um, they saw it all the way through. They, I don't think they were the better team on this day, but they came out with the win and they advanced. Yeah, I mean they're they're awesome. They're they're super good. Um, I mean, and so now I was waiting for for us to kind of you know talk about them versus Japan, but I think it was obligatory that we kind of needed to uh, to talk about the USA. I mean, thinking about who who might be listening to this, but um, their keeper, Sweden's keeper Musevic, uh, I'm. I'm, I am a little remiss that we talked about pretty much the whole game. She was a monster out there. She was yeah. fucking stopping everything. And I know like Haran had like a, a header, Morgan hit a header that, that were pretty much right at her, but she still needed the reflexes to make a lot of saves. Trinity Rodman like fired two shots at her that, that she needed to make important saves on. She was fucking incredible. So when I was like looking through it, I, I you know, I try to double check and be like, okay, what squad does she play for? And then I look, I say, oh, Musevich plays for Chelsea. Of course she does. They're the WSL champions. And then I go, I start looking at the stats. Yeah. She's their second goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, uh, she sits behind uh, a German, uh, a German keeper um, at Chelsea. I think it's their second goalkeeper. I don't even think it's their first team uh, national team goalkeeper. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, she she played fucking incredible. That was one of the best like individual performances I think of the round of sixteen. I think I thought Musevich was great. So I did this with Norway. I want to do it quickly with I want to do it quickly with uh, Sweden. So Natalie Bjorn, twenty six years old. These are defenders. Natalie Bjorn, twenty six, plays for Everton. Amanda Illestat, you already know what time it is. She's amazing. Thirty years old, plays for Arsenal. Magdalena Eriksson, twenty nine years old, plays for Bayern. And then Jana Anderson, 30 years old, plays for Hammarby, which is a Swedish club. But this this is like the fun, such a great part about international football is that like, yeah, you always have your stars who line up on the teams and you have like these big names and lights for all these clubs. But then you have like the really scrappy, like I play in the in the home country league and everybody fucking loves me. I'm part of like the culture. Jana Anderson, she was the one serving in a couple of those headers. Uh, a couple of those crosses for Illestet to finish. Looking at their midfield, uh, Philippa uh, Engeldahl, starter at Manchester City. She's 26 years old. Elin Rubinson, 30 years old, plays for uh, Hacken, which is uh, a club in, in Sweden. And then they're kind of mid, uh, their wings. Um, you have Kaynard, 26, starter at Chelsea. Kosovari Aslani, who was a was an absolute beast in this game against the States. He's awesome. 34, plays for AC Milan. And then Fridolina Rolfo, who was fucking incredible, also scored the first penalty. 29, plays for Barcelona. Um, and then you have Stina Blackstenius, uh, who was out there kind of playing there, like uh, 
center forward type, uh, 27 starter at Arsenal. Let's go. They're fucking loaded over there. Yeah. And so I, you know, that's, that kind of goes back to real, one more real quick thing on, on the USA, like to call it a catastrophe, losing to that team because the ball was a micrometer <laughs> over the line in, in, in penalty kicks. I just don't think that's a catastrophe No, because this team is great. Yeah. And I think they could have been playing Sweden in the final. Sure. Right. Like Sweden's that good. So it's like, and Sweden can win the whole thing. It's just three more matches. So we'll see. Um, yeah. That's a dumb take. I mean, it's not really constructive. It's just fanning the flame. Uh, very cable newsy yeah. of our, of our guy, Alexi. Um, but let's not give him any more On a Fox property. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So back, back to, to Sweden. So he had some other dumbass takes that I'm not going to repeat, <laughs> repeat on my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Japan, Sweden, I feel like, like you said, like these are the two teams that we fucking absolutely love. Hell yeah. Um, Japan, right. Japan right now. Let's, let's roll through some lines real quick. Japan, to qualify for the next round, minus 164. I'm in. Sweden to qualify. <laughs> <laughs> Taking it. Sweden to, Sweden to qualify, plus 134. Japan to win in regulation, plus 120. The draw is plus 210. Sweden to win in regulation, plus 230. Mm. Japan draw no bet, minus 185. Sweden draw no bet, plus 145. So those are our, uh, like, who's winning, who's going to the next round. Japan to qualify for the next round, 164. I wonder if they're good enough, if if we think, if we agree that they're good enough to win and Sweden is coming off an emotional, a physical, a mentally draining match, mm-hmm. if we think Japan is pretty set to go to the next round at minus 164, shouldn't they be good enough to win in regulation at plus 120? 100%. One hundred percent. First of all, Japan's just better, right? I agree. Like if you just look at this tournament, I mean, Sweden has been super tough. They had the huge win over Italy, but Japan's just been the best team in the tournament. So you know, and Sweden hasn't hit that gear. So barring, I'll throw another boxing analogy in here: the whole notion of styles make fights. Yeah. Barring like this just being a bad style matchup for Japan, which. I mean, it could be possible. Maybe this, you know, it's kind of like very physical. It's very messy. A lot of corners. You know, now you know Sweden gets getting more chances than you would think. Who knows? I mean, you could you could imagine a world where Sweden is able to impose their style in this match. But I mean, I am a hundred percent with you that I think this is a Japan in regulation pick, and to be able to at this point in the tournament get them at plus one twenty. That feels like an absolute steal. Just scrolling up to look at what Spain is. Spain is minus one twenty against the Netherlands. Right now, they could absolutely win in, in in regulation. Sure, I'm I'm going the other way. Just you know, partly I like the odds, and then also Netherlands was one of my four by four picks. Nice, the only one still alive, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, pretty sure that's true. Uh, yeah, Zambia, China. Oof. I mean, you know, they weren't. Uh... The four by four wasn't meant to pick who's who's making the knockout rounds. It was just who we liked. Yeah, I'm just a little jealous. You had three, and I had one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, That's fair. but I think the the mental toll that you also mentioned. Yeah, dude. I mean, Japan hasn't broken a sweat. No. You know, they have not broken a fucking sweat, and Sweden's just got to be a little bit drained. You know, physically, mentally, emotionally. So all things considered, I'm still getting plus odds on the best team left in the tournament, who's on absolute fire. 
I don't know. Like that seems like an easy one. I'm with you. That was the one that I liked. This uh, this feels like a cosine, and I'm you know I'm in for a full unit on this. I mean, give me my plus one twenty. Like yeah, if we're gonna if we're gonna make up this ground, let's go. I like it. While you do that, I will uh, toss a couple other ones at you that I thought were interesting. Um, Japan uh, over one and a half goals is plus one fifty four. Japan under one and <laughs> Japan under one and a half goals is minus two hundred. So Vegas has decided that Japan's not going to score more than a goal. Let me just make sure because I know that look on your face. I'm like, wait a minute, did I did I write this down wrong? Like a dope. Yeah, please double check that. <laughs> I don't think I did. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to that. But they also what I saw Sweden under a half goal is plus one sixty two. Mm. Um. So apparently um, Vegas is thinking about a 1-0 game here, I I think, Um, which I do not see happening. I don't see that happening either. I mean, Japan over a goal and a half plus 154, that's a shocker. I'm really surprised by that line. I would be really surprised if if they get held to one. And now that I'm talking this out, I mean, Japan to win plus 120 feels like I can already start like betting that money that that's going to come in. <laughs> a couple other picks here. I'm like, okay, I'm one to know. Here we go. But yeah, famous us words. So I've yeah, I've I'm confirmed. Looking at FanDuel right now, Japan is the home team. Uh, it, the lines moved slightly, slightly, but it's they're plus one forty six to go over a goal and a half, and they're minus one eighty eight to go under a goal and a half. I just don't think they're gonna be held to one goal. Yeah, same. How many units are you thinking for that? Mm. Do we get aggressive? I mean, I I was I was thinking one unit. We could do the unicorn, the the three fourths of a unit. That's a chupacabra. Just to kind of protect ourselves. A, uh, the chupacabra. Yeah, yeah a unicorn's one and a quarter. <laughs> yeah. We should just name all of these increments. Good. No, it stands. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's law now. Yeah. So by the hundredth episode, we're just betting unicorns and chupacabras. <laughs> Betting narwhals, whatever it is, whatever animal it is. Oh, you must be real confident if you throw a narwhal out there. <laughs> um, I think a full unit, actually. I mean, Japan's not going to score two goals. I feel like they're just going to mow through everybody until they get to the finals. I think it's going to be a Japan-France finals. I think those are our, both our top two. So, yeah, like on the way there, I don't think Sweden's going to be the one that, that gives them a match. I think I actually foresee maybe it'd be fun to see Japan and Spain for real 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 deal stakes you know in the semis yeah but if it's netherlands i feel like japan most through them too i don't know i think they're just they're just kind of like in alabama 10 and 0 territory i'm glad i'm glad you mentioned that because it reminds me of i'm sure there will be fans of la roja who who say we want japan the way people like to hold up those we want bama signs and let me just tell you spoiler alert you don't you don't want them. <laughs> you don't want those. You don't want any of those problems. <laughs> that's, um, that's very fun to say when it's still like two matches out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll come match 100%. day. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, upset stomachs, I think, uh, going into that one. For sure. I'm gonna just going to make a call, full unit for me, over a goal and a half. All right. You talked me into it. I mean, I'm I'm just with you. I'm just at a full Japan. So, yeah. I, yeah. I thought it looked okay. goofy, and it is. Were there any other lines from this match that you liked i didn't love anything i mean um the game going over two and a half uh is plus 125 my only worry there is a like similar to the way japan beat and i'm not comparing sweden to costa rica but 
my fear would be Japan winning 2-0 and Sweden not participating in the scoring, yep. um, which I think is a real possibility, which is why I threw out that the Sweden under a half goal, betting on Sweden getting shut out, plus 162. I thought that was interesting, but, you know, they could they could Norway it where they where they get ahead they they score off a corner and it's too little too late or they score off a corner and then they just get blitzed by Japan again so I think that is kind of that's making me back off Sweden under a half goal I think yeah and I think I like that we pick the fun bets right it's like Japan in regulation Japan two goals let's go like we can have fun with that so even if Sweden scores you know it does affect the Japan to win bet. But, yeah. you know, we're still alive and we're still having lots and lots of fun. <laughs> you know, like um, For sure. Yeah. So, like, I think that that keeps the entire match in play, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm with you on, on skipping the uh, under half a goal. Word. And so let me just say you with this one thing, because I, I, I wanted to jump off your excellent point about the way Japan plays. So here is the here are the possession numbers for Japan. 60% possession versus Zambia, 57% possession versus Costa Rica, 60% possession versus Norway. Oh, I forgot. I forgot Spain. Japan had 23% possession against Spain. Wow. They just kept they just kept letting exactly what you saw. They just kept letting Spain walk in, step on the rake, and they were falling into the trap every time. They were they were foghorn leghorn <laughs> stepping into a million rakes laid out by Bugs Bunny at that point. And and like you said, Japan just kept running past them after they would kind of draw them in and then go on the counter. Awesome. I mean, I, you know, if we're wrong about this Japan bet, you know, I've made much, much dumber bets in my day. <laughs> I feel great about this pick. <laughs> yeah. Is this four cosines for us? I believe it is. Two and two, yes. Okay. Which actually, it worked out at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the round of 16. So these early games, I feel like we got a beat on them. And I feel like we just paid close, you've obviously paid close attention to the Dutch. I've paid close, close attention to Japan. You've paid close attention to Sweden. So I think we're out here. So that closes out Japan, Sweden. This match got finalized this morning. England, Colombia. I'm dying to hear what what your England, Nigeria experience was like, uh, and then just kind of what you expect, how you're feeling going into this next matchup. A lot of emotions in in that one. Um, obviously, got love for the Super Falcons. England is my my squad, so I cheer for. I just want to say, so like, I do like, because we're kind of amateurs doing this, that we have to have our commentary on the commentary, but I feel like that's part of the fun part of liking sports. But like all these, these, uh, BBC podcasts that I listen to, they're like, Ooh, uh, you know, not, not a great game by the lionesses. And like, Ooh, this was, uh, you know, uh, poorly played in some stretches. We just have to accept that Nigeria is fucking good. Yeah. They're really good. They have good, strong defenders. They have their whole starting squad is full of players who play in the NWSL, who play in Division 1 Feminine, D1F over in France. They have players who play in Liga F in Spain. I just don't understand how many times Nigeria has to be a nightmare for European teams to play, whether it's the Women's or the Men's World Cup, before everybody just kind of looks at each other and says, okay, can we agree that Nigeria is a good footballing country that produces really good players. And so I, it was obviously crazy close. It, you know, it's, it's scoreless um, throughout the match. And then we, we go to PKs and we sweat it out, but yeah, Nigeria is fucking awesome. Their keeper was incredible. I mean, okay. If we're going to talk about the emotions of things, I, I think uh, the attack was good. Nigeria went into their defensive shell exactly like we talked about 
I thought England would be able to crack that defensive shell. They did not. And I think perhaps Lauren James got a little frustrated by that. Mm-hmm. And when she, you know, stepped on, um, stepped on that Nigerian player, I'll get her name in a second here. I don't, I just don't want to butcher the pronunciation is Michelle Alozi, who actually plays for the, for the Houston dash. Um, that was very clearly done out of fucking frustration because England had chances and their keeper was just kept making saves and they were getting frustrated, but like you can't do that. And now you're not available for the next game. And it really fucking sucks for anybody who watches England and remembers these kind of things in 1998 in the round of 16 against Argentina, uh, Diego Simeone is standing over David Beckham after he fucking fouls him and David Beckham just does, he's like laying on his back and he does this little like kind of, I don't know, kind of soft little like kick. He like kicks up the back of his leg and kicks it into Simeone. And Simeone behaves as though he had been shot by a sniper. He falls down and fucking, and it's right in front of the ref. And he shows Beckham the red card. Beckham sent off. The game goes into extra time. It goes into penalties and England loses to Argentina. David Beckham is a national uh Maybe not. I wouldn't even say laughing stock because these English people were not laughing. They were actually very, very <laughs> angry with, with David Beckham. Um, and so as soon as that happens, I'm just like, oh my God. And we, we're doing this again. We're doing this again. Yeah. History repeating itself for sure. Crazy. I did think that Nigeria played better in that match. Like they looked dangerous, they looked more likely to yeah. score for most of the match. Oh my gosh! Hold on a second, because I gotta, I gotta, I have to hit this quote. I'm not sure if you caught this, but in between the extra minutes, uh, the 30 extra minutes, and the penalty kicks, they kind of went to this weird voiceover where we were listening to Rob Stone, Lexi Lawless, and Ari Hinkst, uh in the studio, but we were seeing footage from the field. I guess watching them warm up, and Stone says, "Kind of felt like what happened last night with U.S. and Sweden." where you were saying if the U.S. doesn't get one, it could really come back to bite them. <laughs> and then Ari Hanks says, if they lose this game, they're going to bite their ass so massively because they didn't take advantage of being one player up. <laughs> and then long pause for Rob Stone. And then he says, I don't know what you just said, but it was great analysis. <laughs> and then it's just like, I don't talk about like a, a legit long pause. It was like really incredible. So uh, commenting on the commentating is uh, maybe just going to be another one of our things here at the Tasty Bets pod. It's part of the it's part of the enjoyment. Yes, uh, bite their ass massively. You know what? I think I get the I get the spirit of what Ari was trying to say. I think is that maybe that's that's what's important. So I don't want to I don't want to butcher the name uh, too badly. Nigeria's keeper Shimaka Inadozi, um, fucking beast of a game. Yeah. She's the she's the starting goalkeeper at Paris FC. Not to be confused with Paris Saint Germain, but they finished third in D1F uh, last year. She's a real player. And I think that this really this really goes back to kind of what I say about Nigeria is that this is not some bullshit team. I also want to point out, you know, people, uh, they talked about it on the broadcast, but like they've, they've had a, uh, their federation has failed to properly fund the team. I think they, they told the manager like, Hey, don't bring too many assistants with you. Like we don't want to fly all of them out there. And so like, bad. um, yeah, and he's like criticized them for not playing the paying the players in a timely fashion, not paying him in a timely fashion, um, and there's been like a public dispute where I think their federation publicly called him Randy Waldrum is uh, is his name, um, 
publicly called him a Texas loudmouth or something like that. I'll have to look at the quotes. But he's, he's just this white guy from Texas who used to coach the Houston Dash and now coaches this amazing group of players for, for Nigeria. And so he called the Federation out for their bullshit. And now they have this, this, incredible, this incredible run. So all that being said, so yeah, James is going to miss, miss the next match. I think it's a gutsy win. I think you had to play 30 minutes with 10 players on the field and they went into their shell and they still were actually able to counter a little bit. They like really picked their spots. Um, they made some timely, they made some timely substitutions. I think there's a real difference, man. And again, I'm just going to reference real quick back to the States. Like when you have somebody like Serena Wiegmann as your, as your manager, or like France has Hervé Renard as their manager, you just pull the levers better than than a coach like Vlatko does. And so, you know, we bring on Chloe Kelly in the 88th minute, Manchester City. Um, and we bring on Bethany England at 106. Uh, we bring on Katie Zellum at 120 in case she needs to take a penalty. You're just kind of able to, to look your players in the eye and say, hey, we've prepared for this. I also, I have a plan for this. And they actually believe you because they know that you have a plan. Right. And so I think that it's a, I think it's a good win. It's a close win, obviously, but like, you're not going to blow everybody out. And I, I, I'm actually, you know, maybe this is some uh, optimism. Uh, my, you know, I, I'm getting my optimism back for England, but I think it's a good win and I think it's an important win for him. I agree with you on both of those counts. Like we said, we talked about in previous weeks, none of these wins are easy. Yeah. Barry one here, one there, or, you know, just a weird mismatch. I think they're only going to get harder. So coming away and advancing, you know, that's the name of the game. You know, you're still alive. Yep. So really can't be too critical. Shifting gears to Colombia and Jamaica. Jamaica was one of our, you know, one of our darlings. And I think Colombia as well. You know, I think we watched Germany oh, yeah. pretty closely as well as Brazil. Um, so I caught a lot of, you know, I think pretty much maybe every minute of Colombia uh, in this tournament. And, um, you know, Myra, Marira. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i could think of while the game was on <laughs> yeah uh, we know it's ramirez we're just having fun with our guy warren barton um she's a beast awesome you know um calcedo looks a little a little bit gassed and a little i mean she was going up against that uh jamaica defensive back line you know so that was going to be tough from the jump yeah but uh ramirez just looked like i mean a freight train I and mean, people were just kind of bouncing off of her uh pretty much all match and you know she also has like a sick you know, spin move, like it's kind of like a Shaq in his prime type. Move. It's just like, she's yeah. such a fun player to watch. She jumps off the screen. We also had to say goodbye to one of our favorites, Khadija Bunny Shaw, Manchester city. I'll, I'll, I'll save you the syllables. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what'd you see in that match? Yeah. I think Columbia pretty much realized um, that there, while Columbia's midfield is not exactly full of a ton of skill, like a ton of elite skill, like you said, they do have Myra Ramirez. They had Casado, who they were kind of running in the in the wings, kind of like an attacking midfield type position. Uh, obviously, always looking to go forward uh, to kind of supplement Usme up there. But they kind of realized that okay, we can really punish Jamaica in the midfield in the build up. Mm-hmm. I think the possession numbers ended up being yeah, they ended up being fifty fifty. It didn't really it didn't really feel like that. Colombia had eleven shots. They had three like really big chances, obviously, including the one that they put away. You know, they forced seven corner kicks to Jamaica's three. I just think that they knew they're like, okay, in in the possession part of the game, we can just really outskill 
uh, Jamaica, who we talked about last week. Really great in back four, really great goalkeeper in Rebecca Spencer. Obviously, world-class player in Bunny Shaw. And then in the middle there, things get a little a little sketchy for, for Jamaica. And that's, you know, part of the journey that we talked about too, as you kind of mature as a footballing nation and stuff. You like, I, I think for uh, even Nigeria, like they're an established team, but they are clearly missing strikers who like, uh, aside from Oshwala, like there's nobody there who can really reliably get them goals. Mm-hmm. Jamaica doesn't have anybody who can reliably set the chess pieces and kind of get, help Bunny get in the right, get the, at least get the ball to Bunny in the right spots to score. They just could not get her the ball. Yeah. You know, everything was like a little bit of a Hail Mary to kind of get it to her. And she was always very well defended by Columbia. I wanted to kind of like give a shout out to Anna Maria Guzman, who I I had to look this up. She turned 18 years old 58 days ago. That was incredible. (laughs) And her pass to Usme, I mean, like world class. I mean, like that gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. But that was world class. I mean. No, that, that was. Yeah, she put that thing like couldn't get any better, you know, and in a match where they needed a play like that, because like we said, you know, to beat that Jamaican back line and Rebecca Spencer, who was out of her mind again, it necessitated a special play. And they got that special play. You know, Usme still had work to do, you know, after she, you know, takes the pass. Yeah. And the finish was just super duper on point. And um, I knew then that it was, <laughs> I knew then that it was pretty much over. We had that nil nil plus 600, which, you know, we got 50, 50, 51 minutes out of that one, you know, in terms of like, yeah, we evened out because we both also took under two and a half goals at minus 200, which that one was another one that felt uh, never, never a doubt. Like there was no way that these teams were getting to three. Yep. That was a lot. And uh, Columbia got their goal and pretty much cruised from there. Now, as we enter this England match, there could also be some Sweden, Japan type vibes with regard to the energy levels. Colombia, you know, not the most stressful, you know, 90 minutes. It was physical, um, but they were dishing out as much as they were getting. I would say we talked about them kind of like really putting their foot down on the gas for a lot of those matches, especially that Germany match. Yeah. But this Jamaica match was pretty, you know, a normal nine to five, you know, it, se- it seemed like. Uh, and then on the other side, England, very emotional, very physically taxing of a match. There could be some some of those vibes as well. So I know Colombia's got to be a pretty, pretty long underdog. Yeah, they're they're a big underdog. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned this. So yeah, I had in my notes, I, I literally have here uh, the line I wrote is I have some of the same fatigue concerns regarding England that I have for Sweden. But I will at the same time, I do think that England is a deeper squad than England. And I think it was, and it was hard, hard fought. It was draining. And this is where I'm going to go full body language doctor. When Sweden wins that match, everybody collapses and it's like exhaustion. And it's just like, they're hugging, they're sobbing. England wins the match and they run over and immediately console in a dozy yeah. and, and 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 shout out to Chloe Kelly by the way also fucking Manchester City I'm not going to miss that opportunity who immediately the camera person tries to run up on an dozy to to you know zoom in on her fucking heartbreak and Chloe Kelly's like yeah. get the fuck out of here like don't do that get out of here. which is awesome just a great move by her yeah. because yeah no no player really deserves that like if you can get the long shot that's fine but don't fucking run up on somebody when they're you know, <laughs> like the worst moment of their professional career. <laughs> And the, again, the English optimism, it's back. <laughs> We're all the way back. I'm all the way back. 
Um, I don't think they were as I don't think they are going to be as quite as cooked as uh, as Sweden. And I think uh, Vegas, it looks like they agree. Uh, England is minus 500 uh, to qualify for the semis. Uh, Colombia is plus 360. Ooh, wow. I know. See, I was right. I was writing down these odds. We're going to get to it. I'll let you have your, I'll have my takes. You have yours. I won't try to. Yeah. Because uh, I think I know, but let's just go. Let me just get through these. Uh, England to win in regulation minus 210. The draw is plus 280. Uh, Colombia to win in regulation is plus 600. And then lastly, uh, England draw no bet minus 700. Columbia draw no bet plus four forty. The floor is yours, my man. I mean, you already know. <laughs> you already know. You bastard. This this is a definite definite draw no bet, mm-hmm. and it's also Columbia to qualify for the semis plus three sixty. That's just too tasty. And I think I'll tell you one thing that's going to make you sad. <laughs> There's no way that it's basically. In my, it's usually. Let me not say it's no way. It's usually not Japan and three European teams. Sure, you know, like, and I think that's kind of what I'm feeling. Like, it would just be weird if it's, or I mean, what if it's like Spain, Sweden, England, France? That would just feel like it's impossible for it to be four European teams. We think Japan's going to go through. Sure, but it just doesn't feel like we're going to get three European teams. It feels like we're going to get one wild card. Now, maybe you say, okay, well, Australia is the wild card. They're at home. They're playing, you know, big, bad France. I don't think they stand a chance in that one. We'll get to that one later. Colombia just feels like one of these teams, kind of like a Morocco in the men's side, mm-hmm. where, you know, they had the moments, they had the huge wins. They had the take care of business win against Jamaica. I'm, I'm not saying that they're better in any way, shape, or form than England. And I'm not saying the fatigue is like, what's going to ultimately decide this match. It's just more a bet on, I've seen this happen a bunch of times, Yep. you know, where, you know, England has looked in a lot of ways, a lot like the U S you know, kind of like in the mix at the top tier, but I don't know that we ever got a full half of football where you're like, Oh wow, this is the best team in the tournament. You know, we've, we've had that with Spain, you know, when Sweden smashes Italy, you're like, oh, shit, this is this is legit. Japan, France, you know, um, even Germany in their opening match, I was just like, OK, this this is impressive. But England's just been very steady and maybe that's what it takes. But I don't know, like I, I could definitely see this one. I can see them sort of like being a goal down and like just chasing the game. And Colombia kind of parking it and being physical, you know, like I just think the odds are a little bit longer than I would have expected. So here's what I was thinking. I didn't put it in the doc exactly for this reason, because I do think I am hundred percent with you. I think the odds were longer than I expected. And when I saw that they were longer than I expected, I was like, damn, I don't like that <laughs> because it's that thing, whatever Chris Berman used to do. So you're all picking this one. Huh? <laughs> Cause I think you're right. There's bound to be an upset. It's it likely will not be chalk. But I do think, um, oh, yeah, and second of all, how dare you? But other than that, but I do think, like, when I talk about Colombia looked at Jamaica, it was like, we're going to we're gonna 
like really work you over in the midfield. I think that we there is a world that exists. Obviously, to your point, like you don't think Colombia like has better skill players than than England. I think that if you're Serena Viegman, you're just like let's just run these this team in the midfield and wear them out. They're going to try to press us like they press Germany. If you're Serena Viegman, you might look at it and say, okay, Colombia thinks they have the blueprint to beat a powerhouse European team because they beat Germany. So when they come and try to press us, we have better passers. And then when Colombia does come on the counter, Millie Bright is just going to shoulder check the shit out of Caicedo. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and you, and you kind of, you, I think they're going to try to lean on that a little bit. The, obviously the Lauren James absence is super gross. I think we're, I, I said last uh, podcast that I'm going to stop guessing Serena Viegman's uh, rotations I'm not. I'm gonna think. I think that Ella Toon will play, and I think mm-hmm. that she is gonna provide a little bit of a midfield attacking presence. I think she's gonna be fresh. I think she should be ready to go. And I, I think we're gonna try to keep a similar shape with three in the back, and then kind of play some amalgamation of four two one or four one two or some some kind of look like that. Um, and I think Rachel Daly is gonna be streaking up and down the the side, um, kind of playing that right winger. If I were to make a bet. I would say that that Columbia three plus three sixty or the Columbia plus four forty, those are good odds. Those are tasty odds. I'm not making any of those bets because I don't want them to happen. And I think we have a better team with better players. And I'm gonna stick to that. What I what I will I want to throw this at you as just a as a quick as a quick lob. England to lead at halftime is plus one oh five. A draw at halftime is plus a hundred, and I'm just like, I know that's not like the juiciest, but I think that's pretty fucking interesting. I like it could absolutely be zero zero at halftime, and I think we could still end up winning, you know, fairly comfortably in the in the second half. And Colombia to lead at halftime plus six fifty. In case you're interested in that, mm, that one's interesting. Plus six fifty. I don't like obviously I don't like England lead at halftime or the draw, but I don't know. I feel like I can see a Calcedo goal like in the forty first minute or something when it looked like we were heading in nil nil. You know, England falls asleep for a second. Right. Plus six fifty. That's a quarter unit for me. There he is. <laughs> that's a quarter unit for me. Come I on. Knew. I I even knew looking at these lines, I was like, Oh, he's not gonna be able to help himself no, with these. Not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, I am going to, this is tough because now I just have to think about the degrees. Um, I'm trying to figure out which one I like more, the, the draw no bet or Columbia to advance. I think it's probably Columbia to advance, unfortunately, because the draw no bet, I can definitely see this game going an extra 30 and then the draw no bet is a wash. So yeah, I'm going to go half a unit on Columbia to qualify for the semis really just more, um, because the line is a little thicker than than I was uh, I was expecting, and Lauren James, I think we can't really overstate that. Yeah, I mean, she was the star of the tournament. We talked about last week. You know, we asked ourselves if she was the best player that we saw yep. over the over these uh these four matches. And like you said, she was frustrated. She's young, still very much on the ascent, and it's it's really interesting. We talked about this when we broke down the U.S. game, where you know that she's young. And you know that that could have an effect on something. Mm-hmm. It's just impossible to predict 
exactly what that's going to look like. Yeah. And it ended up looking like a red card very much driven by frustration. Yes. You know, which is a very 21 year old thing to do. Yeah. Unfortunately, she did it in a massive spot when there's a million cameras around and VAR is going to catch everything and we're going to have to review it so that we can get all of our extra time. Um, but I think this is going to end up really hurting them, you know, because she really provided that improvisational, we fell asleep for a second and a half and now we're down. Yeah. You know, like I think that that kind of goes away. doesn't mean that England can't, you know, still very much overwhelm this Columbia team, but we're just going to have to kind of watch this one. I'll, I'm not going to, do any sort of victory laps. You know, I'm going to do that thing where, you know, the, the player leaves his old team and he scores when he goes, you know, back into returns to the stadium and doesn't celebrate. Yes. I'm just yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he won't let his uh, teammates go to Hanley. He's like, yeah, yeah everything's yeah. fine. Yeah. So if I um, win, I'll, I'll pull, I'll pull one of those out next week. That's fair. And it's all for, uh, it's all for the good of the results doc. So if it happens, it happens. I, I mean, with England, such a large, favorite that's why i'm looking at things like you know draw at halftime being plus 100 columbia under a half goal so columbia to get shut out uh is minus 142 so vegas does not think that columbia is going to participate in the scoring under two and a half is minus 188 and you know what even as i say it i think i i Minus 188 is a little longer than what I typically like, but yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a unit on under two and a half because I I don't think they're gonna, they're gonna be a lot of goals. And oh my god, what am I doing? Hello, Mary fucking Earps in this Nigeria game. Get the fuck out of my face! Best goalkeeper in the world, not close, not close. Yeah. Best keeper in the world. She was a beast. Awesome. That She's one, so great. Yeah, that one save, the full extension. You know, Come on. I'm just like, that was unbelievable. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. What a, what a baller. And then she gets up and she is stone faced too. Yeah. When she makes her, she does the no selly sellies on her saves. They're fantastic. Yeah. They were commenting that, uh, they were like, look, you know, as we approach penalty kicks, she's, she's got a big smile on her face. She must know. You know, like, it's just like, she's like, yeah, the Joker or something. <laughs> <She's> just, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, she was ready for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on that under two and a half goals. You know, minus one eighty eight, a little wider than we're used to, but we took minus two hundred Columbia Jamaica at that same under two and a half number. So we took an even bigger line and cashed that one pretty easily. Uh and again, no Lauren James. You know, if Columbia's gonna stay in this one, we're looking at probably one nil. You know, um that's the kind of game that they want to play. Yeah. And that just might end up being the game that England does play. Yeah, that's a half unit for me as well. I, I really like that. I'm glad you kind of put it on the dock. I didn't think to look at that one. I like it. What are you doing with this one? I'm going to go full unit. I don't think Nigeria, or pardon me, I don't think Colombia will score. Awesome. Well, we'll just have to win in PKs. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So um, let's head to our last matchup. Australia, France. We both had France as our number two. Uh, power rankings. I'm interested to hear where you had Australia. I had them eight. Yeah, man. I mean, we talked about it last week and I kind of asked the question. So I'm just going to, I was, so I have Australia sixth. So it's not like I believe them to be world beaters. I do think they get, I, I, every game they play is a home game. I think that is something. Um, I think they have uh, handled themselves very well in the absence of Sam Kerr. 
Um, I think Sam Kerr got some more time to just kind of like get a little extra run. She came in, she maybe shook off some cobwebs. I think we'll, we'll get to that later in, in this uh, last match she played. I don't know, man. Are we sure they're not good? Because I know that we were like non-believers in the start. Are you sure they're not good? I'm pretty sure they're not good. <laughs> okay. So, so Denmark, sure. channel my inner Denny Green here. We are who, they th- who we thought they were, uh, which is right. no kind of threat to any real uh, women's football team this time around. Sure. I, I also rewatched Australia, Canada, and just the level of like unforced errors from Canada you know, not to say that all the goals Australia got were fluky, but we've seen it a few times in this tournament where a team just kind of gets mentally broken. The crowd was like super lit for that Canada match. Oh, yeah. I watched all three Australia matches, and that was like the wildest crowd that I've seen from them, even more so than the, the Denmark uh, matchup. Their style, it's actually a lot like the U.S., mm. where they're kind of like trying to play to make something happen. Right. Yeah. Like they're trying to play to make some magic. They're not really, you know, all on a string, kind of working together, like working the ball forward with some intent. You know, it's very it's all very kind of like haphazard. And maybe that's just kind of like the Australian style. Yeah. But I think going up against this France team is not going to (laughs) be what they just saw with this Denmark team. Also, I don't think that France is going to be that intimidated. You know, a lot of Champions League experience on that side. That's true. A lot of a lot of World Cup experience, you know, no super deep runs, but you know, um, I don't know. Like, a, so the crowd's like a little rowdy. I don't think that's going to affect them one bit. <laughs> you, you have to wonder. France got one really early against Morocco today, right? If they do that to Australia, you know, now it's you know scary hours in that arena. Like, I think right. Australia got a, an extra bump when Sam Kerr came off the bench to get in the game. And I was yeah. mentioning to you earlier that her first touch was like not within 10 yards of a, of a player and it just mm-hmm. kind of sails straight out of bounds. And, you know, the rust was clearly there. Um, sure. I'm sure she's going to look a lot better. But again, like, you know, a little bit of the Bunny Shaw situation, like, is she going to get the service that she needs, especially against this French team? You know, that's yeah pretty disciplined defensively. You know, you got Wendy Renard back there and they do have a plan and they have skill. And I think I'm definitely not sure that that Australia defense is going to be able to hold up uh, against that French attack. I can just see them totally dominating possession, the passes, the chances, and then just kind of like the dam breaking pretty early in this one. Okay. I can see it. I mean, the way you you talk about the way they play that first goal um, against Denmark, where Fowler sends the super long pass, um, and Caitlin Fjord is just like running free and runs behind it 1v1 on the keeper. And it was a really good finish. Like watching that, I was just like, ooh, that's really good. No chance that works against France. Mm-hmm. There that just gets that gets booted out out of bounds. Like um, <laughs> or intercepted, maybe. I can see that. I don't know. I mean, they just keep winning. <laughs> like uh, um, but I think thinking about it though. You're right. I like France. You know, I you jumped on them. I wanted to jump on them earlier to win the World Cup. I wanted them at plus fourteen hundred. I was a coward. I waited until you jumped on with plus six fifty and I hopped on that. I think France is super live to win the World Cup. I think the their quality 
without Sam Kerr at a hundred percent, I think the the gap is is pretty significant between France's quality of player to Australia. You know, I I don't know how like gigantic it is, but I think it's big enough to where, like you said, the French players are not going to be afraid to go in there and play. They have like five different players on the team who can do something amazing, and they can kind of take the crowd out of it right away. So I could I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, and like. They also have an attitude. That's true. My favorite player on the French side has probably been Basha, like this tournament. Yeah. You, I, you could just see her walking around being like, all right, come on, like keep booing. Like, you know, like watch what we do here. Like <laughs> right. she's just such a badass that I don't know. I think that def, that, that kind of attitude kind of permeates the group. I think this one's going to be pretty straightforward. Talk about lines that were out of whack. Um, I did have a couple quick stats here on Australia. So of the eight teams left, they're sixth in total shots of the eight. Shots per 90, 14.75. Shots on target per 90, they're also six, about four and a quarter shots on target per 90. That's less than a third of their chances that they're putting on frame. Mm. Passing, they rank seventh out of eight teams, only ahead of Columbia, only completing 72% of their passes. Yeah. So to your point, it's going to be a long day for them. I think trying to hold the ball, work the ball forward, they're going to really need to kind of get lucky here. I actually think this game looks a little bit more like France-Morocco which ended 4-0, oh, wow. where Australia just kind of gets outclassed a little bit. And I've got some lines on that. So I was very surprised by this as well. So if we could just kind of get into it real quick. The money line here, Australia is plus 240, the tie is plus 210, and France is plus 115. So you can get France at plus odds to win in regulation. I do not see this game going extra 30. I do not see Australia winning this match in, in regulation. Even if they're up three three goals, you know, at, at the 80th minute, I still somehow would be like, you know, <laughs> France is going to get him. <laughs> you watch Tracy Don't McGrady, worry. like, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, the tie no bet, France minus 185, Australia plus 145. This one freaking blew my mind. A goal scored in both halves. Yes is minus 112. Pretty much a coin flip for a goal to be scored in both halves. Now, just looking at those three, I don't know where where was your lean before I kind of like went on my whole France rant here. Yeah, I mean, my I was definitely the lean was France. Obviously, uh, we have Diani to win the uh, win the Golden Boot. We have you know we put in France relatively early to make it to the uh, to the semis. We have France to win the World Cup. Man, a goal scored in both halves minus one twelve. That's mighty tasty. How does that not happen? Do you know, I mean, because somebody is scoring. Because yeah, this isn't even for a specific team. This is. This is in the game. Yeah. I think that's a lock. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be a unit right there. Let's lock that in. And then we also get back to the thing what we talked about in the in the very first Tasty Bets pod uh, way back in January. What I was saying about the Kansas City chefs is you're going to give me plus. You're going to give me points. You're going to give me, say, in this case, you're going to give me plus money with France. I, sh- I, I think I should just take plus money with France to win the game, plus 115 to win it in 90, why wouldn't I take that? I'm, I'm sort of actually debating single unit versus double unit here. I nailed my double unit <laughs> last week, Sweden to qualify. Yes, did. I felt pre- I felt very confident about that one, um, although they made me really, really sweat. And like I mentioned, I was pretty bummed out <laughs> when the U.S. I actually lost. Uh, more yeah. bummed out than I thought I would be. But this one feels even more obvious than that. I would be shocked if... France doesn't take care of business uh, within the 90. This one feels like the easiest match of the four to me, which is always a little dangerous, but I'm going to go two units on this. Look at you. I think it's time that we make up some ground on the dock, and when we've got it, we, we've got to just go ahead and grab it. 
Oh, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> uh, what was my, oh yeah, uh, my two unit uh, Newcastle over Chelsea, where I was like, fuck Chelsea, they're terrible. They're gonna, <laughs> Newcastle's going to bury them in the last game of the season. Um, Parlayed with Danny Ealings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but none of those players are appearing in this match, so none of that matters. Um, I mean, I, I just I hate the voice in the back of my head being like, "You sure? Are you sure Australia like the the home field advantage doesn't help?" Let me let I'm going to stick one unit on on that one. I just I just want to protect myself a little bit, but then you know, do the same thing with uh, with, with Sweden. Tell me, I, I wasn't, I was too scared. Uh, I'll accept it. I, I'm not, I'm not going to criticize anybody for winning a bet. You know, we talked about it last week. You know, the the two parts are you figure out what bets you like, and then you figure out to what degree you like them. And you like France at one unit. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's three digits in the in the right column uh, of the dock. That's true. Um, so I like it. You know, we're, we're on the same side. That's That always makes me happy. Um, I had a couple more I had to throw at you. Let's go. So I'm also going in on this one. My old friend, the alternate spread. All right. France minus two goals. Okay. So as a reminder, we need them to win by three for us to clear this bet. Is plus 1,200. Look at that. If we think France is the better team that's going to outclass Australia, I actually think I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I see like a 4-1 scoreline with Sam Kerr getting the one, you know, maybe to equalize or bring it from 2-0 to 2-1. So they get their moment. Sam Kerr gets their moment. We get our feel good. And then France just big sisters, whatever's left in the match. So I love France minus two plus 1,200. I mean, I can't really go anything more than half a unit here just because, you know, I don't want to like expose myself to too much risk. Um but I don't know. Like these France lines all look so incredibly tasty. Sure. That um, I can't really not take it. Like plus twelve hundred. You're telling me that it's going to take thirteen matches for us to see France win this by three? No. I think I think they win this match by three once every four or five times. You know, so plus twelve hundred just feels hmm. like I don't know, like an odds boost. You know, for back of lack of a better word. Nice. I wish you luck on your quest. I, I feel, and you know, I hate, I I've been trying to, I, I've been trying to decide if I should like break myself of this habit, but it feels like a, a two to one game to me. Um, and that's why I like the score in both halves bet so much. That was an awesome find by you. I'll root for the blowout for you. I just, I don't know. I just got to stop being that. Hopefully next week we, we can just talk about Grant shouldn't have been <laughs> so scared of Australia. And you know what? I think actually in the in the preview pod or like one of the pods where we were where we were underestimating Australia early, I referred to them as the Socceroos. Uh, this is a this was super late retraction. Socceroos are the men's team. They're the Matildas. They're the uh, Australian women's team. Uh, so yes, I am great nickname. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, consider me still somewhat afraid of the Matildas, but not enough to think that they'll they'll beat France and or even draw them in regulation. I think France is going to outskill them pretty much the whole way. Okay. So what's ultimately the score line? You close your eyes. What do you expect? Final score? I think, I think two to one, two to one. Okay. Uh, I'm glad you said that France over a goal and a half. This is France plus plus one fifty two. Are we sure that's right? Well, yes. Isn't 
Oh yeah, France is the away team. Okay, yeah, give me that because I think Lace 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 is getting on the board. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And then it's just a function of who else who else scores. Is it Diani? You know, is it you know somebody else? Like so, that's happening. Um, just to spice things up, France to get to three goals plus five twenty. France to get to four goals plus fifteen hundred. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Actually, this, you know these what? are more in. Like, I am. I'm actually going to change my tune a little bit because France minus two goals is plus twelve hundred. I'd rather actually send that half a unit. Um, I'm going to actually break it up into quarter units. I'm going to take over three and over four for France. Hmm. Over four. I'm sorry. Over two and a half and over three and a half. So either three or four. Okay. So if they get the three, that's plus 520 quarter unit. If they get to four, which was my prediction, 4-1, that's plus 1,500. So get that alternate spread. I'm going to take that out of there. I'm just going to take France to kind of pour it on here. I am sort of afraid of France getting to four and Australia getting two, you know, one in each half, Sam Kerr, and then maybe, you know, penalty or an own goal or, you know, maybe Kerr like really turns it up and really grasps the moment. Yeah. But I don't see any way that France is. I mean, Nigeria got three on Australia. Right. It's going to be tough and the environment's going to be wild. But like I said, I don't think that's going to really affect that French team. So give me a quarter unit on both of those. And then I, I leave you with that over a goal and a half plus 152. And then I want to see what you want to do about that. Yeah. Um, mm. I, I I almost want to lay the chupacabra here. Plus one, that's a, that's a nice take, and two goals, man. I mean, I just think it fucking happens. I mean, so who have they, like, you know, uh, who's Australia played with uh, with an elite offense? They've played Ireland, they've played Nigeria, they've played Canada, and they've played Denmark. Nobody, and they they've given up goals. <laughs> like, well, they gave up three to Nigeria, and then they. Uh, they beat Ireland one nil. They beat Can. They blasted Canada. They shut out everybody else. Yeah, they shut out everybody else. Yeah. Um, I mean, Canada didn't really show. Right. Like, that was really pathetic. I don't feel bad about saying that. It, it really was very lame what they did. Um, and they cost us money, so maybe maybe that's why. <laughs> so a little extra it. juice on it. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, I agree. Nobody anywhere near France's level on offense. Yeah. We'll just have to see if they're up for it or not. I like it. I'll let you, uh, I say, you know, Godspeed. You're the king of the alternate spreads. It's made, like I have a little bit of FOMO, but I am glad you, uh, you put me on this. Uh, I'm glad you put me on this away team over one and a half goals. I think France is scoring two at least. And then once they get to two, I'll be Birdman rubbing my hands together, hoping they get to three and four for you. How many units for your? You said chupacabra. Yeah, let's go. Uh, three fourths of a unit. Wonderful. <laughs> the, old, <laughs> the old chupacabra. <laughs> I kind of want to join you on that, just because I, I don't want to miss out if they only get the two. No, you know what? I'm going to keep my conviction. They're getting to three, uh, and then four. That would just be incredible. Did you have any other lines that you uh, liked Australia, France? I don't think so. Covered quite a bit there. Yeah. I think we have, uh, we have tried to, we have mined the value in that game, I think. Okay. Wonderful. So with that said, let us hit the recap. So in our first match, Spain, Netherlands, we like 
Netherlands plus 220 on the draw no bet. That's one unit. That's cosine. Uh, and then we're also going to throw half a unit on Netherlands to win in the 90 plus 340 in the second matchup, Japan versus Sweden. Um, we're both taking Japan to win in regulation plus 120. That's a cosine. Uh, and then we're both taking Japan over a goal and a half plus 146. I can't believe these are both plus. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, full unit, both of those. Yeah. What do you think you know, Vegas, you bastards? I don't, I don't know if they're watching the games, bro. I mean, they probably watched that Sweden-USA game, and they're like, oh, my God, Sweden's they're on it. You know, in Japan, we beat them, you know, 12 years ago or whatever. Like, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, they need to be asking themselves what the Tasty Bets pod knows that we don't. That's good. That's a good point. England, Colombia. This one's going to be tough for, for my guy. Um, but I'm taking <laughs> Colombia to qualify for the semis. Half a unit, plus 360. Definitely going to be a no-selly-selly if I hit that one. Columbia to lead at halftime. This is a quarter unit for me. Uh, plus 650. Let's just keep it moving. This is this one we did co-sign. Under two and a half goals. Great call here. Minus 188. Full unit for you. Half a unit for me. Um, I think we can both see this, especially with the absence of one Lauren James, which leaves our last quarterfinal matchup. Um, did you? Did I miss something? England-Columbia? Um. Just uh, give me I, whether or not you believe in it or not. Just as a math guy, the parlay of under two and a half goals in the game, uh, and then Colombia under a half goal, uh, because those are because uh, you know under two and a half is minus one eighty eight. Uh, Colombia to be shut out is minus one forty two. You parlay those two, it's a plus one oh seven. I think. Uh, Let's let's stay tuned to Twitter threads and Reddit. I know I we I try to say no. We try to live by the no parlays, but sometimes we see something that has the juicy odds. Because if I because I was just thinking about it, if I don't think Colombia is going to score, and that's the crux of of my idea, then I, I might think about that. I'll revisit that. I just wanted to 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 gauge your initial reaction. I think plus one hundred seven doesn't seem quite tasty enough. Well, you're really betting on three outcomes, right? Nil nil, one nil England, two nil England. Yeah, which I think are super live. Yeah, you get those three for plus one oh seven. That's not bad. Yeah, could be interesting. I, I think that's a stay tuned. Uh, and then our last matchup, one little ham here: France versus uh, Australia, home team. I put a two unit on France to win in ninety plus one fifteen. I just can't believe at this stage of the tournament we're still getting France plus odds against who I think is the weakest team of the eight. Um, they're definitely in the bottom third. Uh, and then you're joining me with a single unit on France to win again, plus 115. We both did a full unit cosine for a goal to be scored in both halves, minus 112. And then we went a little crazy with the France goal totals. You're taking them over one and a half, very responsible, plus 152 for uh, a Chupacabra, 0.75 units. I love that. And I am taking France over two and a half, plus 520 quarter unit, over three and a half, plus 1500. Uh, both of those are quarter units. I'm going to throw a couple more in, into the mixer. So I really like these two. I'm going to scroll all the way back up to the Netherlands. Quarter unit for both Lyneth Beerstein to score. Again, I think she's going to terrorize Spain. And also Gia Roard. Like She always seems to be right place, right time. You know, uh, Lyneth is plus 470. Jill's plus 650. Those are going to be two quarter units for me. Nice. 470. Those, that, and that's for any time goal scorer. I do want to make one quick edit because I, w- I do want to bet my first unicorn. Oh, let's 
pick I'm taking. Oh, I've got it. What do you think about bumping up our Japan to win in regulation plus 120 to a unicorn, which would be a 1.25 units? I think that's the one I feel most confident in. So if we're going to take the unicorn out for a spin, I think that would be... <laughs> so dumb, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. What are we talking about here? We're grown men. Um, yeah, sh- you know, sure, let's go. That's why we bet responsibly. We can afford it, so it'll be fine. Yeah, you know, like we're not we're not out here betting narwhals yet. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, let's right, win some bets, and then we're betting narwhals. <laughs> here, here. All right, man, I think we did it. Um, this has been another episode of of the Tasty Bets Pod. Follow at Tasty Bets Pod on Twitter, Reddit, and Threads, um, where you might see a couple, I don't know, fun, wacky parlays come through. I have a feeling you might get some exclusives on those platforms, so make sure you jump on there and give us a follow. Uh, you can subscribe to the Tasty Bits Pod on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. And remember to please always, always, always bet responsibly. Big thank you to my co-host. Best of luck to you this week. Get lions, tigers, and bears out of here. We're chupacabras, unicorns, and narwhals on this <laughs> podcast, buddy. Good luck to you. Appreciate it. All right, see you, man. See you.